You are now listening to the Take Leap Tech Talk podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Take Leap Tech Talks, episode two. Morning, Rahul. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Aditya? Doing good, man. And finally, we're in the second episode now. Um, so the last episode uh, was actually quite interesting. So we basically touched the um, the surface of virtual reality and its purposes, what people use it for, and you know how it's actually changing technology, like the industry, as far as people wearing devices and actually exploring things that they would not naturally or usually explore. Um, We'll be getting back to more details about that uh, in the upcoming episodes. Today, we're looking at something a little bit more interesting. We're looking at um, computer vision. So what is computer vision exactly? Rahul, any thoughts? Well, uh, speaking about computer vision, so imagine now if our computers had eyes, right? And they could look at the world and identify and understand what is happening around them. So I think computer vision is nothing but trying to get the computers these days similar to what our eyes are doing or what human beings visual system can achieve. So to put it in a nutshell, it's basically about computers understanding images and videos and processing them and then analyzing them and then giving a useful output for us. So it's it's almost in a way it's exciting and scary but because you're kind of looking at it from a perspective of uh, computers actually being able to identify things and in a way to a certain extent at this point of time think for itself. So yes. you know for instance uh, I'll give a very simple example all right so Let's take a look at self-driving cars, mm -hmm. all right? Mm -hmm. So right now, if I'm driving my car and I see a red signal, right? Mm -hmm. Immediately, the, the moment I visually see the red signal, I'll, th I'll say, okay, let me, let me pump the brakes, let me mm -hmm. stop, all right? Mm -hmm. Now imagine if a self-driving car does the exact same thing. You know, using a camera, it recognizes a red signal and the moment it sees the signal, it immediately you know, tells itself, okay, now I need to hit the brakes, I need to stop the car. And not just randomly stop it, stop it at a particular point. So it can possibly even recognize there's another car in front of me. So yes. that car has slowed down. I need to slow down as well. Um, this is one of the best case or one of the most important use cases, right? So things like autonomous uh, driven vehicles, yeah, uh, cars and, and stuff. So those things definitely will rely on computer vision technology where it's able to analyze the world or the environment around it and then suddenly you know, take actions based on that. True. Um, so yeah, so that was one of the most important things. So I think it goes down to the concept of machine learning or artificial intelligence, which is actually a big component in mm -hmm. computer vision where, you know, the system is able to, in a way, think for itself. It, it, it gets a little bit of cognitive, uh, uh, similar to the cognitive mindset that people actually have and uh, react or in a way, respond to its environments and yeah. stuff. So at the end of the day, it all boils down to that uh, critical factor that even scientists use to identify whether a species is intelligent or not, which is pattern recognition. So that is exactly what we are trying to get the computer to achieve as well, to look at the images or videos and identify patterns. So basically 
they are able to maybe you know they look at a hundred cars and then they see a hundred and one car and then they say you know what that is a car and that is that's the, basically the whole crux of it where they're able to see it and basically just do what we can do by looking at it and achieving what our visual system can do. Yeah, so think of it like, you know, in a way like we're raising a, a, a child, right? Mm-hmm. So for instance, you take a kid and you show him a couple of objects, right? Mm-hmm. And the more you show them the object, the more they get acquainted to it. And then yes. later on, you don't have to constantly tell them, this is a car. It'll immediately say, yes, I know that's a car. Yes. You know, this is another type of car and this is a different variation of a car. So it can actually build on learning. I think that's where self-learning comes into play or machine learning, where basically the more it's integrated into the system and the longer it stays in the system, it starts building its level of quote unquote smartness, right? Yes. And okay, so we can think of a lot of use case scenarios and considering the way um, civilization is moving at this point of time, you know, technology is extremely exponential. There are a lot of uh, things that you know, things that we thought we couldn't do 20 years ago is possible today. Things we actually, even things we thought five years ago was not possible is possible today as well. So it's just, it's increasing, it's improving in an exponential rate. So it might be in its infancy stage today, but you never know in the next couple of years, this might just be a a very standard consumer-based thing where the society is just used to it. But it's also scary at the same time because um, in a way we are, we're helping um, things get a lot easier. You know, most of these things for autonomous driven uh, machines and systems makes life a lot simpler for us. We get rid of the mundane tasks and then we move towards other things. We can focus on other key components in life. But at the same time, this can also scare people in a way saying that, oh, are machines taking over jobs or, you know, is, is, the, is the fear of, you know, I don't know, like Terminator, is it going to happen? Are robots going to think to the point where they're just going to say, yeah, humans are inferior to us? I don't know. Um, I, I, well, uh, personally, I think, yeah, this is one of, uh, one of the factors that will be involved because they need to see in order for them to eliminate all of us. <laughs> you can imagine if uh, like a machine or a system just basically goes, hmm, this human is useless. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But yeah, uh, let's let's also look at the the current stages where we actually see this in everyday life, but maybe we might not really be paying attention to it. Um, I'll, I can give you a simple example of you know uh, computer vision working in a day to day you know life. Um, facial recognition. Now, the most common place where we see facial recognitions is actually our mobile phones, right? Whether if it's an um, you know an iPhone or an Android device or anything. The simple thing of face unlock, you know, I raise the phone towards my face, it recognizes me. Mm-hmm. And the moment it recognizes me, it says, okay, so that's the owner, let's let's yeah. unlock it. But it gets even smarter. So if I decide like, you know, today to completely, you know, shave my head or remove my beard or, you know, any of those things, remove my glasses, and then I pick up the phone again, it still says, yeah, he looks a little different, but it's the same guy. Yes. And it unlocks the device. Um, it also sometimes recognizes whether I'm staring at the phone or if my eyes are open or not. So sometimes if people, when, when, when facial detection or facial recognition on mobile phones came out, the first thing people tried to do is like, okay, person is sleeping, let me try unlocking the phone. But then the phone recognizes, no, this guy is sleeping. So he can't unlock his phone at this point of time. And it would actually prevent people from uh, unlocking. 
nowadays it's come to a point where even if I take an image of myself, like a photo of myself, and I keep it in front of my phone, the phone recognizes. No, that is the that is the owner, but that's an image. That's not him in his physical presence over here. So they'll immediately it'll immediately keep it unlocked. It won't just unlock it randomly. So this is an example of how these these systems actually get smarter over time. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, at this point, you know, I have I want to share something that is a little interesting. So that uh, we understand where this exactly when it comes to facial recognition, what it was, you know, maybe uh, ten years back or fifteen years back. So fifteen years back, what people had to do was they had to, let's say, you take ten images of a person and they feed it into the computer and for each image they themselves had uh, to measure the distance between the eyes the width of the nose uh, you know the general shape of the face and they had to feed that as data for each image by themselves manually manually and then and you feed that to the computer and then let's say you get a fresh image you still have to do the same thing you still have to measure these things and feed that data to the computer and then what the computer can then do was ah okay you know what out of these data this data matches with the seventh uh, photo or data that you've entered earlier so this could be a match but there were a lot of uh, limitations at that time the angle of the face uh, you know the, the lighting the lighting all that mattered but the the thing right now is that because we have identified the technique to identify patterns in the face and then allow the computer using algorithms to identify those patterns and store the data by themselves is what that has propelled the technology to be what it is right now. And also, at the same time, it's not just that uh, technology, it's the, it's the processing power of the computer themselves that have further enhanced this. That is why it's, you look at the phone and it's, it's immediate. Yeah, I can also imagine like back then it was also very annoying because also the level of accuracy wouldn't have yeah, been even absolutely. close to what it is today. So you can imagine that after manually feeding this data to your system, after all that laborious work, and then suddenly it's like, yeah, we've got a 20 to 30% accuracy rate. So you'll have to stare at it at least five, six times. And it's like, sorry, it doesn't recognize you. And then finally, fine, you know what? I'll just unlock it. Or worst case scenario, all right, this is an intruder shutting systems down, <laughs> systems down completely, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a cool thing also that, um, you know, the pioneers behind this technology, they just kept pushing it, you know, beyond the limits to the point where right now it's consumer ready. And I think that is one of the most important things. And where computer vision is going right now is to actually reach every single domestic household. Everyone gets to use it on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. Um, let me also give you a couple of more examples on where you actually can see this on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, in, the in the medical field, right? So say we're doing an MRI scan. So how do we, how do, we uh, do it at this point of time? So I go into this machine, it scans, it does the, the scan of my brain or anything. And what it does after that is it has to go to a doctor and then they have to visually see it and try identifying any anomalies or anything like that and then come back with a report. Now, this is a time-consuming task, and this is something that takes anywhere between days to weeks in order to get your reports. Um, imagine if I integrate computer vision technology into this, where the moment it scans me, right, and the moment the digital image appears, the machine or the system recognizes what are anomalies, what's okay, what's not okay, and instantaneously gives you the 
results. Mm -hmm. So maybe I might have a waiting time of, even if I have a waiting time of say a couple of hours, that is a significant improvement to what it is right now. I, I wish I could get MRI scans within a few hours. Mm -hmm. And maybe if that technology keeps getting smarter over time, you might actually get the results in seconds. Like as and when the moment the scan is complete, it's like, oh, here's your problem or you're fine. You're free to go. You know, there's no issues. Um, imagine in airports, right? So every time we go through security, right? There's always a person who's sitting and watching the x-ray scans as you put your luggage in the conveyor belt, right? And imagine now you don't need a person sitting over there. The moment I put my bag or my luggage inside the conveyor system, once the x-ray is scanned, it can immediately identify stuff. And then the chances of, um, you know, if there are mistakes or there are no mistakes, you can immediately identify that. And speaking of mistakes, that brings out a very strong point with computer vision is the fact that the level of accuracy is pretty high these days. And um, one thing that we can remove from the table once these systems get smarter is human errors, mm -hmm. right? There's so many times where, you know, I'm just going to use the uh, x-ray scan again, right? There, there are instances where maybe, you know, due to human fatigue or just a distraction or something like that, you might miss out on something, all right? Uh, definitely, it's possible. I mean, uh, I personally know of uh, one or two cases where the doctors themselves have missed out on catching something, but the computer was able to catch it, you know, because they did run tests while they were developing this to see how accurate is it, how reliable is it. And there were cases where the doctors actually missed out on catching it, but at the same time, the computer was able to capture that and flag it as a issue or an anomaly, or probably there was a cancerous uh, growth or something like that. Exactly. And that creates a lot of, uh, and I think this is where the debate comes in as far as society is concerned, right? Like a lot of times people prefer having the human touch or actually a person doing it manually, because I think there's some level of connection and comfort in that. When it comes to, uh, to machines or systems, the question comes in is like, yeah, but exactly how accurate can it be? You know, what if it uh, doesn't detect an anomaly incorrectly? And now then the level of accountability comes in, right? True. Uh, actually, uh, but, uh, that's a very interesting point to talk about because I just want to, you know, just slightly skip to another example to kind of talk about this accuracy levels that we are discussing right now. Mm -hmm. So now talk. let's talk about the self-driving cars, right? Now imagine a situation where you are in a car uh, and you're not touching the steering wheel, it is driving by itself, yeah. right? And you approach a turn and on the pavement, there is a kid standing there. And next to the kid, there's a there's a bigger human, probably his, his or her dad. Human, yes. <laughs> so the computer identifies, you know what, there's a kid and there's probably a bigger human next to him. Okay, so probably it's uh, it's it's there with a guardian. Yeah. Same situation in the same turn, but here instead of the kid and the father, you have a kid with a ball standing near the pavement. Yeah. Now, when we are driving, now obviously I will be far more cautious when I approach the kid, if the kid had a ball with him, because okay, what if the you know the kid throws the ball into the road, and what if the kid comes running into the road? Yeah. Rather than if he was you know with a, a guardian, with, you know, with a guardian and holding his hand. So, I think computer vision has challenges when it comes to making decisions at that point of time, hmm. and I think that is where the level of accuracy matters. Because should we slow down? Should we not slow down? 
it is something that uh, I think that is where we are at right now to increase levels to accuracy, not just accuracy of identifying, yes, this is a human or this is a child, but rather to make a decision as to whether we should stop or whether the, the computer should stop the car there or not. So it's, it's accuracy with processing that, analyzing it and making a decision out of it is what matters right now. Exactly. And at this point of time, I think one of the things where, you know, just to counter, just for the sake of counter argument, but generally the mindset will come that when I'm taking a turn, naturally I need to slow down anyways. It's not like I want to speed up or maintain my speed or anything like that. And at the same time, at this point, you can also, you know, debate saying that, so I can also program my car to understand that the moment within a certain proximity, if I notice an adult or a child or anything, a human being, or even if it's any organic uh, thing, like even if it's a dog or a cat or something like that, the moment it's within a particular proximity of the car, then it should naturally slow down or just be on quote unquote alert, you know, that anything like Murphy's law, anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Yeah. But that also, you know, to counter argue that, That will also make it make the driving journey very annoying. Yeah, you can exactly. imagine like if you're driving gonna... if you're driving in a crowded market or something like that, let's say in India, that's <laughs> if your car's not going to move. It's just going to stop. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably going to say, "Yeah, too many people. I'm not doing this." You know, but yeah, um, but these things, I guess, in time will definitely uh, pick up. I think Tesla is doing quite a good job with that right now. There yeah. have been a few instances as well on that side, but I guess this all comes down to the learning curve. You know, you're not perfect at the at the get go. Um, maybe, I don't know, we're in 2020 right now, maybe in the next five to 10 years, this might be a norm. True. I mean, right now, if you see, um, I think when it, uh, as we were discussing, when it comes to the accuracy, I think we've, we've pretty much nailed it. I think uh, any system and, you know, thanks to, you know, a lot of these top AI research companies, you know, uh, like Google, they have made many of their data public, which allowed a lot of uh, programmers and developers to you know use that data to develop algorithms to make computer vision what it is right now so with respect to accuracy thanks to the large amount of data that is available and you know a quick fact that i want to bring out over here is i read somewhere that uh, every day there are close to 3 billion images that are being uploaded into the internet every single day so imagine that amount of data that is being produced every day and that is accessible for computers to uh, you know, analyze it, understand it, to, and that just further reinforces uh, the computer vision. So with accuracy, we've pretty much nailed it. Now it all boils down to what it does after it sees this and the decisions that it takes is the future of computer vision is, is, what, is what my opinion is. Um, I completely agree with that, and uh, it's exciting. You know, I think I think we're right now at at least as far as technology with civilization and everything is concerned. I think we're right now at this pinnacle moment where um, certain things that we do use in a as far as like say consumer based products and stuff, they're kind of hitting a saturation point. But then it's kind of like giving a segue to a new style or a new form of technology that's literally going to pick up and I think I think this is where it's going to be like you know how we had back in the 70s and 80s and stuff yeah there were 
tech, but it wasn't that fancy. The computer had just started coming out. It wasn't a household product yet. It was more of a luxury item, but it couldn't do much. Uh, fast forward towards the mid to late 90s, yeah, the computers were getting more and more popular. They were able to do certain sort of tasks. But again, people were still, you know, they still preferred the standard, you know, pen and paper sort of a mindset. You know, it's always good to document it because, hey, what if my memory dies all of a sudden, you know, uh, the system memory and stuff. Yeah. And then fast forward, like maybe to 2000s and everyone's using a computer, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. and we thought that was the future. That's it. Everyone's going to have a laptop. Everyone's going to have the, uh, a, a desktop, right? Then the mobile phone, the smartphone came out, you know. Yeah, in 2007, when the iPhone got released, that literally changed the entire thing. Android jumped into the market as well. Then you started seeing mobile phones that had computing processors that would challenge at least basic uh, laptops, right? Mm -hmm. And then they started doing tasks that, you know, people, like I remember just a simple thing, take, take social media, right? Um, so back in 2005, 2006 and stuff during uh, college, university, everyone would use a laptop to log into Facebook or Twitter or something like that, you know, and that's basically my hub for social media interactivity. I don't think I've ever seen anyone at this point of time in 2020 who says, oh, let me just log on to my laptop and go on Facebook, you know, yeah. just pull out your phone yeah. and it's that's there. Right. Yeah. And accessing any form of information or anything like that is available. It's in the palm of your hands, literally, right? And anything and everything is possible that way. Hell, we're recording this podcast on an iPad, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, like 10 years ago, no one would have even thought that's possible. But yeah. that's the thing. So we're seeing this massive change as far as technology and how it's evolving and becoming something that people are using at the end of the day. And I, we feel um, the next couple of years is actually going to showcase that. You're going to see another wave of technology coming in in the form of computer vision, in the form of virtual reality, augmented reality. These things are going to suddenly become you know, household uh, use cases and people are just going to use it without even thinking twice. And I think it it's beautiful how it's actually going through that transition. And I don't know, maybe 30 years from now, episode 10,000 or something from the daily podcast, we'd probably bring this episode back, right? It's like, remember when we thought, you know, computer vision is just at its basic stage or something, it might be completely different in the future. Yeah. But yeah, uh, that is definitely quite interesting. Yeah, and uh, when you spoke about you know virtual reality, augmented reality, I mean that that probably just you know suddenly popped in my head that augmented reality is another uh, main uh, thing that uses computer vision, where our phones actually use the camera to detect surfaces, uh, uh, using the camera to actually place the augmented the reality object, content yeah. or whatever it is. So. We actually see computer vision almost everywhere right now, and uh, it only and it's only going to keep getting better. And we need to wait and see if eventually that is going to lead to like a Robocop or someone like that. That's, that should be you. You're more interested in that, right? <laughs> no, but uh, but on another note, um, we have actually like you know take leap ourselves. We have actually created uh, a very interesting product focusing more on road analytics and. I want to have, we'll probably get into another podcast episode where we'll actually bring in one of our, you know, the faces of road analytics and we'll have a discussion on that and see exactly how that technology works and how it actually will benefit anything and everything. And there's a very famous statement, right, for any civilization to thrive or for any, any com uh, country or city to call itself a developed city or country, 
you need to have proper road infrastructures. And one of the biggest problems at this point of time is the maintenance of these roads. It's not a simple task. We take it for granted, all right? Um, especially living in Dubai and stuff where almost every single road is pristine. But again, the amount of backend to ensure all of these things work properly, every single road, every single in, in the main highways, as well as in the streets, the alleys and gullies, you need to make sure that it's perfect. And it's not just the pavements or just the, the road in itself. You're also looking at signboards, signals, so on and so forth. There's a lot of things that go into play. So maybe in the future podcasts, we will actually dive into that and see exactly how our road analytics based computer vision technology and the software, how it actually will help improve all of that and reduce, reduce things like human errors, costs, and so on and time, so forth. Effort, time, definitely, that, yeah. right? Um, so yeah, I think, I think on that note, we can uh, call it a day. <laughs> yeah, I, but I think, uh... Uh, whatever we discussed today, you know, it, it actually uh, is at where technology is right now today. And I think we, we we touched upon some very good points as to, you know, what the technology was right before, what we can expect uh, a few years from now and, you know, what, what exactly is happening right now. So uh, I think everyone should uh, stay tuned for our upcoming episodes because uh, eventually we're going to start getting into it a little more detailed so that uh, people who are interested can, you know, further understand uh, each of these concepts. Yeah, and we'll also be bringing in a few uh, guests yeah. as well, you know, people who are slightly more, definitely more knowledgeable <laughs> than us, yeah. but also getting into the the crux of these technologies. And, you know, let's, it's kind of like surgery. We're just opening everything up and seeing how everything takes. It's pretty cool. So on that note, Thank you guys for logging in and listening to us. Uh, it's been a good episode. And um, make sure you follow us on uh, social media. Uh, we're adding all of these things uh, to the notes section, along with the general discussion of this uh, podcast. So thanks again. Um, have a wonderful day. And we'll talk to you soon. Yes. Uh, take care, everyone. Stay safe. Stay safe. Stay safe.